morning and happy Saturday, you guys. It is Amanda and Barron with Kicking Cancer Cares on KSLM Radio, 104.3 FM and 12.20 AM. And our sponsor for this first half of our segment is Odd Moe's Pizza, who has absolutely amazing pizza and a variety of other things on their menu. You will have to go check it out if you want to know, because I just stick to the poppers and the green monster. You do. <laughs> I do. You do. <laughs> They're my faves. Yeah. We have a we have a room full today, don't we? We do. Why don't you go ahead and introduce our guests? Why don't you? You know them both now. So yes, so I know Victoria Shin. Hello, how are you? Excellent, thank you. And Doctor, I can't print. Is it Doctor Isaacson? Isaacson. I want to say Isaac. Keep rolling. You got it. We're so close. I knew it. Okay. Who have both been on the show before? Yes, previous podcast. Do you know which podcast numbers they were? You know, I have a note here to figure it out, and I didn't do that. Oh. You you let grass grow. I did, uh, yeah. Shame, shame, but, shame. But. That's okay. <laughs> I'm teasing. Well, do you do you remember who our last guest was? Um, I. What was her name again? Carmen. See, I'm bad with names. So don't feel bad. I'm so Carmen. Carmen yes. Sobrero. Yes. Oh, that was so fun having yeah. her in. So and she brought a little Hispanic twist to it, which was kind of cool. Uh, yeah, I'm really intrigued to see how many people we can assist because she did speak to them in their own language. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, so just for your edification, Victoria, um, I had found that in the United States, breast cancer would be the number two killer of women and lung cancer would be number one, except in the Latino community. So if you're a Latino, breast cancer would be the number one killer. So we brought a gal in who is Latino and got her perspective on why she thought those numbers were the way they were. Mm-hmm. So. Well, I would love to get Dr. Iason's perspective on one of our updates. Okay. Cancer Awareness Weekend. Ozzy threw the first pitch up. That's right. Which that little boy is defying all odds. But he really is. You and I were talking. Um, why, why does his head appear to be swollen? Why does his body appear to be... He's retaining water. Your kidneys are designed to clear the water out of your system to filter everything, and his kidneys are just not functioning very well at all. Um, I'm... I don't know everything that he's going through as far as treatment-wise. I don't know what his doctors are doing for him. But, I I mean, I would expect that he should be on dialysis to help clear a lot of the extra fluid out of his system. Um, but, yeah, he's retaining a lot of extra fluid, and that's causing the body to swell as well as head. It's called hydrocephalus, which means water on the brain. So his brain and his, his skull are swelling along with the rest of the body. Okay. Well, I will say that that little dog seems to be keeping that boy alive. Mm-hmm. So... I, a lot I, of positivity yeah, and a lot anyone of joy. that follows social media, they have a fight like Ozzy page, and then I share what's going on. But he got a little dog, what, like two months ago? Mm-hmm. And I met the little dog. The little dog's name was Crunch. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> and that dog is providing a tremendous amount of social, uh, emotional support mm-hmm. for Ozzy. Animals can do that. Just bringing yeah. a lot of little light and joy into his little world. Well, I have a really fun update for you. Okay. And uh, Dr. Iason will remember this. When I first started the idea for getting cancer, um, Dr. Iason, you had just been put in the position of the chair of greeters. That sounds about right. Yep. July of 2018. Um, so I had this idea, and he said, well, if you're going to do anything in Salem, you better go to greeters. Mm-hmm. So I met this gentleman named Dave Wentz. Oh, yep, yep. And towards the end of 2018, I mean, Dave looked like death warmed over. Yeah, he, he, he'd been through the ringer. Yeah. Um, we The first go team in 2019 was Dave Wentz. Um, he had been diagnosed with testicular cancer that had metastasized to his uh, bladder and kidney. 
and they couldn't do chemo because he had lost a kidney in Vietnam. Mm -hmm. And so he was put on this very um, new stem cell treatment. And he was given until April of 2019 to live. Well, what I find intriguing is when I met, when he was diagnosed, it was October of 2018. And again, he became that first GO team. But on June the 23rd, which was just a couple of Fridays ago, mm -hmm. Dave showed up at Greeters. And? Walking. Yes. And the cancer's in remission. So did you ask him what route he went with treatment and how? And ha how? It was, was, It was again, it was a very new procedure. And I don't know, Dr. Eisen might know more. I, I didn't get to talk to him about that yet. But but because I saw him on the 23rd, I said, Dave, would you like to throw the first pitch out at a baseball game? And he did. Oh, I love it. That's and I so know that awesome. You, you saw Dave a lot during those years yep. of greeters. So. Yep. Dave uh, was a, he's a Vietnam veteran, and he went through a lot in Vietnam. That man, um, I'm, I'm, you may have to bleep this in post production. He's a badass. <laughs> Um, that guy is incredible. If you ever get a chance to hear his story about what he went through in Vietnam, you will be absolutely humbled with what he did. Um, and then to have him now, uh, for a long time, he led the, the local DAV chapter, the Disabled American Veterans chapter. And uh, he still is very active in the veteran community and is just amazing. And then he's been through cancer twice. And, and he's just, the guy is amazing. A miracle. Yep. And he's actually pretty darn healthy last yeah, Friday. He's looking pretty good. Yeah. That is so awesome. But I lost touch with him for like three years. I mean, he wasn't returning emails. He wasn't returning. And I just said, leave him alone. Right, right. right. I didn't know whether he lived. He, I didn't know what happened. And now he's thriving. Kansas in remission. I love success stories. He threw the first pitch out. Oh, that's so awesome. So because. Great update. Yeah. Um, the other thing I thought would give you just a second piece uh, the recipe that we did last week with Carmen yes. was the baked taquitos with re fat-free refried beans. Oh, yeah. I sent that to Bob, and he was like, I think I'm just going to get the book. Because <laughs> he's just loving the well, recipe I think he, so he much. he prints every single one of these, he'll have the books yeah. soon. But there was one thing in here that referred to uh, roasted jalapeno and lime guacamole. Oh, my gosh. That's, that literally made my mouth water. Well, wait till I get done mm. reading it to you. Okay. That's today's recipe. Oh, yes. So it says, this guacamole brings heat and a touch of sweetness from the roasted jalapeno and a pop of sourness from the lime and the wonderful creamy texture and unique flavor of a ripe avocado. Okay. Three ingredients. Oh. You, gotta, you gotta love it, right? Three yeah. Three ingredients. And I can pronounce all of them. Okay. <laughs> so the first one says, uh, one to three jalapenos. It depends on how hot you want it. Mm-hmm. Um, one avocado, you peel it and pit it, obviously, and then one tablespoon of lime juice. Oh, wow. Just really simple. Really simple. You preheat the oven to 400. You line a baking sheet with parchment paper. You place the jalapenos on the baking sheet and roast for about eight minutes. Slice the jalapenos down the center. Remove the seeds. Cut the top stem off. Dice them into quarter-sized pieces. Wash your hands immediately afterwards because of the I've jalapeno juice. <laughs> I didn't do that once. And that Dr. Eisen is nodding his head vigorously. You've done it before then also, I'm assuming. Yes. It is the worst. Yeah. Okay, go ahead. In fact, the recipe says wash your hands immediately after <laughs> handling the jalapenos. Because they care. In a medium bowl, they use want a us fork to finish to it. <laughs> mash together the avocado, the jalapeno pieces, and the lime juice. 
continue mashing and mixing, and that becomes what you put on top of your taquitos. Yum. That actually sounds phenomenal. All right, Bob, we got your back. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. Let me get the picture. <laughs> and so for those listeners who are just tuning in, uh, Amanda keeps all these recipes. We're just trying to give you some good, healthy recipes to work off from. And this, you can use the, this on anything, really. I mean, even if you're not... You know, eating totally good. I, th- I feel like this would be good with just some tortilla chips. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Really good. Or like a nacho uh, dipping. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you always like those shocking facts, right, Amanda? Yes, I do. Well, this one, um, I would say shocked um, shocked Victoria. Yes. I had actually heard this name because of Dr. Isaacson. And then I found a two-hour documentary called... The Cancer Cure Cover-Up. Okay. And I sent you the link. Yes, you did. And I, unfortunately... But if anyone wants to hear it, they can get that link from you. Yes, just email me, amanda at kslm.news. So before I get too far into it, Dr. Isaacson, how much do you know about... Because you brought this thing up to me and then I found it. But how much do you know about Brzezinski? Not as much as I should, um, but he's been around working in cancer research for... Gosh, more than four decades. He started back in the 1970s yeah. researching cancer. And <clears throat> his name is one that uh, is fairly well known on any other cancer researcher, uh, either for good or for not so good, depending on their <laughs> personal uh, perception of him and his research. But he's been around for a long time. He's had some pretty impressive results. So, Well, this documentary at the start, it references the fact that in 1967... He was getting his PhD. Well, first off, he's Polish, so that in and of itself says that maybe the foreign countries might be smarter than us. <laughs> but it, his PhD is actually in biochemistry. Okay. And so he wasn't starting out to be a doctor, you know, biochemistry. But in his studies as a young student, he discovered this thing, these things called peptides. And healthy people have a lot of these peptides, and people with cancer lack those peptides. So I was hoping that maybe Dr. Isaac could educate us a little bit on what these peptides are. So we've all heard of proteins, right? Mm-hmm. You know yeah. what protein is? Um, if you take a protein and you break it down to its ultimate building blocks, you're talking amino acids. So amino acids are these little chemicals um, that bind together to create proteins. If you take two amino acids and put them together, you have a peptide. Okay. You take multiple peptides and put them together, you eventually get a protein. Okay. okay. So there's lots of different amino acids, which means that there's lots of different ways that you can combine two to make a peptide. So there's literally dozens and dozens of different peptides, uh, both in the environment and in our own bodies. So Dr. Brzezinski specifically, as he was doing research, noticed that uh, in some people, there was a very high level of certain peptides. And he noticed that in people who had cancer, they did not have those peptides present. And he thought, well, what if I take these peptides that are in healthy people and I put them in people who have cancer and see what happens? Um, That is the absolute basis for all scientific research. Make an observation, hypothesize, and then test it. Mm -hmm. And that's what he did. Does that make sense? Yeah. So that was his theory in the early 70s. And Did he, he went, do it? He went to Texas in 77, and he got an attorney involved, and they created a manufacturing plant. To oh, create, wow. I mean, he went through all the legal Oops, stuff. Yeah. yeah. He even asked his attorney, can we create this manufacturing plant? 
And the reality was, as long as he kept it inside of Texas, so it didn't become a interstate commerce, okay. he could do it. And he started doing this in 1977. And what was the outcome? It worked. It worked. It worked. Okay. So the video that, that is in reference that Baron's talking about right. does not talk about any specifics for uh, statistics. It does a lot of, um, it highlights a lot of individual cases in which people were cured from cancer, um, but it doesn't talk specifics as far as this percentage of people got better, okay. this percentage didn't. You know, there's, it, it, the video is not that in depth. It's a very surface view of what happened. But, Can uh, you find those numbers? Is that a possibility? Yes and no and no and yes. I, I know. You were straightforward. <laughs> I, I wish I could give you a clear answer. So Doc, Dr. Brzezinski has his own statistics that he has published and that you can find, um, especially if you go to hit the Brzezinski Cancer Research Institute. Uh, or I think it's Brzezinski Research Institute. Sorry. Yeah. Um, so you can find a lot of his statistics. Uh, a lot of other organizations, uh, particularly government-funded organizations, have tried to say that those statistics are either inaccurate or exaggerated and they have their own statistics which make wildly different claims so it, it boils down to who do you trust type of a thing okay are the statistics there yes are they accurate it depends on who you trust okay but well, it worked for some people yes and, and well, that's huge the biggest thing the, the biggest the most impressive part is that he was uh taking people who were terminal, who had had all of the standard medical treatment and were told, there's nothing more we can do. I'm sorry, you're going to die. He then treated them and they had complete recovery. Wow. So So now let me ask you this. Who do you trust? Which, what, what, what do, you, do you think it, it was a success or do you think it was not? I think it was absolutely a success. Okay. It so, sounds like it, especially if you're taking a terminal patient that you've, they've done all that they can do. Yes. And at this point, they're just, go enjoy the, what you have left. Yep. So a little clarification on something Baron talked about, because you, you just brought it up. Um, the way that the FDA regulates treatments is you have to provide treatment within, you know, the, the FDA guidelines. If nothing within the FDA guidelines can treat what you're working on, what, whatever condition it is, you are allowed to attempt experimental outside of the normal treatments. And okay. that's how Dr. Brzezinski was focusing his care. Okay. He was looking for the patients who had had standard within the normal organization of the FDA and the CDC and all that stuff treatment. And it had failed. So there was nothing in conventional medicine, I'm using air quotes here, conventional medicine, um, that was working for these patients. And mm -hmm. so by law... They have the right to seek out non-conventional alternative theories. Okay. Theories. Theory, theories. Treatments. Ther <laughs> therapies. 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 That's, that's the word I was going for. Word. Looking for alternative therapies. Um, and they would end up with Dr. Brzezinski. And as long as he wasn't going across state lines and he was doing it only with patients who had exhausted the, the standard conventional therapies, he was well within his legal rights to treat them with experimental, non-traditional therapies. Okay. So I know I shared this link with you, Victoria. What were your thoughts when you saw this documentary? Halfway through, I was livid. And it's not that I haven't been there before, but because of my prior cancer diagnosis, it made me even more angry. So we're going to get into more of that in the second half. But um, had you ever heard of Brzezinski before? Never. You? Never. No. Never. No. And I did a lot of research. Oh, I know you did. And there's a lot of people, there's a lot of resources out there, but no, never no. heard of him. 
So I'll give you one example, Amanda, of what you're you were asking the successes yeah um so when you have a chance to watch this documentary it's in the first 10 minutes or so um it is uh february the 28th 1996 okay and it's a senate subcommittee hearing and this sergeant from the san francisco police department is talking and i know that dr eisenberg i'm talking about he had two twins and the the twin that's still with him is seven. The one that passed away is not, obviously. Right. And she had been diagnosed with brain cancer, and they they, they said that she, they had he had two options: one, don't do treatment; she's going to die, or you could do chemotherapy and radiation, but she's probably still going to die. Mm-hmm. Well, that, given those two options, he went with the one that might possibly work. Right. He said the radiation caused second-degree burns to the top of her head. Jeez that her urine was so toxic they had to wear hazmat gear to change her diaper. Yeah. And it still didn't work. And his job as a police officer was actually to look for fraudulent people. And so he heard about Brzezinski, did his research. This guy wasn't a fraud. He took his daughter all the way to Texas, and her brain cancer went away. That's so amazing. Yeah. And so what was the outcome? So you got to answer because she's not with us anymore she passed away um but she died from the complications due to the radiation the radiation fried her brain so bad that her body could not sustain life and she passed away from the radiation so she didn't die from the cancer no, she died from she the died treatment. cancer free she's the only patient at that point in time the only patient to have ever had that cancer who died cancer free wow all other patients who'd ever had that cancer died from the cancer. With, yeah. She died with no cancer in her body, but the radiation to her brain destroyed her ability, her body's ability to maintain life, and she died from that. Wow. And it's really touching because the officer says that uh, his, his biggest regret is that he let her down. Yeah. They didn't find Brzezinski sooner, except the reason he's at that su- Senate subcommittee is the Texas Medical Board tried to shut Brzezinski down. And when they couldn't, they got the FDA involved. And they spent millions of taxpayer dollars, and it wasn't working. So this Senate subcommittee and this this police officer came in as a testimonial. And there's something that Brzezinski said that I think is really interesting. He said, um, patients in the United States, patient has to go through a difficult bureaucratic process. They, They must, most will not be able to go through it because they die before they get through that bureaucratic process. Right. And he says, quote, for some reason they, and he's referring to our government, they don't want to have a cure for cancer. And I truly do believe that at this point. So, Victoria, you're nodding your head. Do you agree with what Brzezinski said? Yes, I have lifelong of cancer within my family and done a lot of research over the years, and I've known that's been the case for decades, and it's not a conspiracy theory. It's fact. It, there's just too many pieces that have happened that are uncovered. If you dig far enough, you know that, and it's infuriating. When he says that there's a bureaucratic process you have to get through, would you agree with that? Absolutely. I mean, as a, as a guy in the medical community... <laughs> is there a bureaucratic process that hinders your ability to do your job? Absolutely. Every patient, not every patient, most patients I have that have any type of insurance that I have to go through, it is an absolute bureaucratic nightmare. Just today, I, I was working on a patient, 
and his uh, insurance required an authorization. So I got in line to do the authorization, <clears throat> and the insurance company is unwilling to do their own authorization, so they hire a third-party company to do the authorization. The third-party company doesn't communicate well with the insurance company, and so they come back with, yeah, we don't know. And I said, what do you mean you don't know? I, I need to treat this patient. Yeah, we don't know. What do you mean you don't know? So this leaves us with having to go through a, a bunch of hoop jumping to call the insurance company, to call the third-party authorization company back and forth until you can finally get somebody who knows their head from a hole in the ground who can say, yes, this patient can be treated or no, they can't. It, it's ridiculous. I'm, I'm not charging thousands of dollars for my treatments. I'm charging $55, and they want me to jump through all these hoops that take hours to get through to get $55 that they discount because I'm in network. I only get 48 bucks. Yeah. Oh, wow. It's like, come on, guys. This isn't rocket science. It's not right. brain surgery. It's chiropractic. Say yes and let me treat the patient. It's not a big deal. Right. So I'm going to go it's back to what Brzezinski said. Patient has to go through a difficult bureaucratic process, mm -hmm. just what you said. Most will not be able to get through the bureaucratic process because they will die during that process. And then he says, for some reason, they don't seem to want to cure cancer. And yet he has, not that everybody's cancer would be cured by Brzezinski's, but there's an awful lot of documented cases where they have been cured. Right. Mm -hmm. And if I was somebody with cancer, I would want to know all of my options, and I would, that one included. So we'll, we'll get a lot more into it in the second half of the show, but Victoria, how when you got your diagnosis, how many places did you look for options? I went to my primary um, care facility to start with and met with the oncologist, but my mind was already thinking, do I stay here? Do I look for an HMO? Do I, what do I do? So we met with that doctor first, and then the next day I was on the phone all day to probably five or six larger clinics that had national recognition for cancer success. After that research, I determined I'm just going to stay where I am for right now because I can do what I needed to do for me with surrounding support, holistic network in addition to traditional Western medicine. So if you had known, now again, you, you had to go to Texas because mm -hmm. that's where he's at. Because he can't cross state lines, right? right? And this, but and people this, can cross them to get to him. So this sergeant was in San Francisco right? he took his daughter to Texas. Right. Mm -hmm. So if you had known that was an option, would you have gone to Texas? Absolutely. If it made sense, and I, after I called and talked to them, I would have been on a plane that night or in the car. Either way, it doesn't matter. Just for an option. But but I would imagine that you would have done that same level of research that the sergeant did, right? Correct. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I, and I, Dr. Eisen, I'm talking about this. I just think it's frustrating that this isn't even an option that you're being told about. Right. Is he still out there? Yep. Doing it? Yep. Really? And, and what's interesting in the documentary is the one, there's another doctor that says what surprises him is it's not that they're, that they're, they're, they're trying to shut him down, but they aren't aggressively shut him down. It's like they just continually come after him. They let him be there, but they attack and attack and attack. Yeah, well, when the attacks didn't work, then the FDA has a little clause, and I want to get into this in the second half of the show because I know Dr. Eisen has an opinion about this. The FDA has a clause that if you are doing a procedure or a, if you have a manufacturing facility that's not FDA approved, then it becomes criminal. Oh. So when they couldn't shut him down, they tried to put him in jail. Oh, goodness. And uh, 
when I mentioned that to Dr. Isaacson, um, his response was intriguing <laughs> to say that. But I know we're running close on time, so we should probably get that bigger conversation. Okay. The next half of the show. Does so we've got about a minute and a half. So does he take insurance, or because of what he does, is it all out of pocket? He does take insurance, but the majority of insurances don't accept his type of treatment. So there are things that he does within his, his treatment therapies that are covered, and many of it is not. So things that are covered, they bill. Um, things that are not, people are paying out of pocket for. Um, they have uh, donations. People are, are financing other people's treatments. Okay. You know, charity-type things. Yeah. So, yeah, they, they, there's a lot of that going on. But they, they do some insurance billing, but the majority of insurance companies are not going to cover the, quote-unquote, experimental treatments uh, that he's providing. Right. Okay. And then I was going to ask. Oh, so wait. So he went into business in 1996, and is no, he went into business in 1977. 77. What yeah. was the 1996? 1996. Okay. All right. Well, let's take a quick break so we can dive into this some more. I feel like it's going to get really intriguing. Uh, so huge shout out to our sponsor for this first half of our show, which is Oddmo's Pizza. Go on down and grab a pizza. They also have many other things on the menu. So give them a check out. All right. We'll be back after these messages. 